You're listening to the Let's Talk Strata podcast hosted by Mark Mercier. Whether you're a tenant, lot owner, caretaker or industry professional, this podcast is for anyone connected with a body corporate or strata title. Tune in every fortnight to hear thought-provoking discussions with industry leaders and experts on topics both practical and technical that will spark your interest. Welcome again to the Let's Talk Strata podcast, a podcast dedicated to bringing you cutting-edge views from pinnacle industry experts on all things Strata in Queensland. Today, our special guest is Daniel Wignall. Daniel is a principal lawyer in the Litigation and Dispute Resolution Division at McPherson Kelly Lawyers in Brisbane, one of the leading law firms in Brisbane. Now, just a little bit about Daniel. Daniel has an extensive experience practicing in areas of commercial litigation, and restructuring property and planning appeals and a full spectrum of body corporate matters. Daniel has appeared in all courts, magistrates court, district court, supreme court, federal court and other tribunals including the high court as well. He's dealt with a number of urgent matters and complex disputes in body corporate and also in finance, mining and property development matters. So it's a great pleasure to have uh, you along, Daniel. Um, welcome to the uh, podcast today. Thank you for having me. Now, how did you get into Strata and the body corporate industry as a lawyer? Well, I, I started off my career doing a lot of um, uh, debt recovery work, as, as a lot of junior lawyers mm. do. Um, and over time, that's just uh, developed into a specialty in Strata recoveries and Strata disputes. Mm. Um, so I probably find myself doing strata matters about 60% of the time now. Yeah. Um, it's a huge industry. It's growing all the time. There's new buildings going up all over the place. So mm. uh, it's a good industry to be involved in. Oh, absolutely. And anything to do with money and, in, and body corporates is, is sure to be something that lawyers need to get involved with, isn't it? Indeed, yes. Yeah. Now, um, in terms of um, your practice, um, you deal with body corporates as clients. I'm guessing you've got lots of different types of clients that come across your, your office. Yes, so we're uh, principally engaged by uh, body corporate managers and gauges to do mm. uh, a lot of the debt recovery work, uh, whereas the committees engages directly when there's uh, uh, disputes that we have to take to the commissioner's office. Uh, so that's sort of the dynamics. Um, we rarely get sort of uh, commissioner disputes from the body corporate managers, which I'm not sure why that is, but they come directly from the committee owners. I know from my area of practice as well that uh, debt recovery is always a challenge because you're really dependent on the conduct of the parties and every matter you need to deal with on their merits and circumstances. What do you think are some of the challenges you see for lawyers in bringing debt recovery matters to their, you know, final outcome? That's a difficult question because it really depends on the amount uh, that's owing levies it might only be a couple of hundred dollars owing mm. um, so you don't want to commence proceedings for a couple of hundred dollars uh, sometimes there's you know I've seen twenty thirty thousand dollars owing of um, lot owners that haven't paid for more than a year so you really have to look at it and say well are we going to recover that amount uh, is it financially viable and then go from there a lot of the times uh, with the sort of the smaller debts uh, it only you only require to send a, a letter from a lawyer, and people will understand that you know things are getting serious, and they'll pay, or at least they'll start communicating 
and enter into some sort of payment arrangement. Yeah, and I guess it uh, creates a, a sense of urgency for the body corporate given the new uh, decision that's come down on affirming the two-year uh, limitation period. So it does create a, a real urgency and obligation for the body corporate to recover uh, on behalf of, of their lot owners. So how do you manage the expectations of clients? Um, I guess, as you've pointed out, it comes down to the monetary value and the conduct, but I'm guessing you get different expectations on outcomes. Yes. When a committee or a body corporate manager engages us, we generally send out a, a letter explaining what the options are, so everything's cut into uh, neat little segments. We'll explain that we'll, we'll send a letter of demand and then there might be a period of negotiation if the lot owner contacts us. If there's no contact or if um, negotiations aren't successful, then we'll commence claims and we explain to the, the body corporate uh, committees how much those things are going to cost. Mm. Uh, and we try to stick, or we try to use the, uh, the magistrate's court scale as a general guide so that they know uh, what to expect. A lot of the other fees, such as filing fees and service fees, they're all relatively fixed. Um, so they're predefinable, so you can work them out for the committees quite easily. Yeah. Of course, it always comes back to the lot owner. This always stems from lot owners not paying their levies. Why don't they pay levies? There's several reasons, really. Um, sometimes they just simply don't want to pay. This is unfortunately why we get involved a lot of the time, and it's, it's most common. Uh, in fact, one of the key reasons we're quite often successful with our initial letter of demand is that people will just ignore demands from the body corporate managers. Mm -hmm. Um, we had a recent case where the body corporate manager sent five or six reminders. A mm -hmm. um, lot owner just ignored them. Uh, we were engaged. Uh, we sent a appointed letter of demand on legal letterhead and the lot owner immediately contacted us and entered into a payment arrangement. Mm -hmm. I think there's a, an imbalance between uh, whether levies should be paid and whether rates should be paid. I think levies come second and then rates come first, which mm -hmm. is... Uh, they should be on an equal footing, I think. So there's another reason is they simply can't pay them. People uh, can't continue to pay rates, water and levies. Uh, in those circumstances, they really should be thinking about selling the units. Or they, they simply haven't received the levy notice. It's often uh, an excuse, but it's, uh, it can also be a, a real excuse. There's a lot of overseas mm. investors, and mm. unless the body corporates keep uh, good records, it can be difficult to uh, to get those levy notices to the lot owners so they pay them. I guess um, from a management perspective, it's very easy for a lot owner to say they didn't receive it. And I guess typically um, they'll receive the arrears notice or the letter of demand, which uh, you know, when you look at the records, the address hasn't changed, but for some reason they're getting those ones, but not the levies. So it's a a difficult thing to reconcile, isn't it? Um, you know, body corporate's got to act reasonably, but then when those avenues available to the manager are exhausted, it goes to the debt recovery lawyer. That's the only avenue the body corporate's got to go with, isn't it? Well, that's right, and, mm. and the body corporate's got an obligation to recover levies. Mm. Everybody in the scheme has to pay their levies. One lot owner not paying their levies is, is not acceptable. Everyone has to pay and live in the same scheme together, so the body corporate has to pursue that. And just to touch on some of the things, some of the impacts of a lot owner not paying uh, creates some cash flow issues, doesn't it, for yes, body corporate? Of course, you can't discriminate between owners, so every owner needs, and every owner or occupier, but in terms of owners, you've got to deal with each case in a fair manner, and uh, it doesn't matter whether you're on the committee or just a lot owner, everyone's treated the same, aren't they? 
in terms of debt recovery? Well, everyone's treated the same in, in fact that they have to, all lot owners have to pay their levies, yeah. but committees have a discretion to, to allow payment arrangements and those sort of mm. things. Uh, so a lot owner can catch up. But if a lot owner's uh, historically always in arrears and it's just getting out of hand, well, it's going to come to a point where uh, the lot owner is going to seriously have to think about selling the unit or the committee will pursue an action against the lot owner, get judgment, and that could result in the body corporate selling the unit for the lot owner, which mm. is one of the enforcement options. Yeah, quite a dramatic and drastic, um, Very drastic. outcome for the owner, isn't it? Mm. So what are the hoops that a body corporate, say, needs to jump through to start this recovery process? Well, there, there isn't any real hoops. They just need to have a, a, a VOC meeting, a, a vote outside committee meeting, uh, to uh, commence recovery action and uh, debt recovery proceedings are called prescribed proceedings under section uh, 312 of the Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the committee just passes a motion to uh, commence recovery action against that lot owner. Mm. I'm guessing you find a lot of uh, variance in how those motions are drafted. Do you think typically the motions drafted just as a general manner to engage a debt recovery lawyer or do you see motions outlining exactly what the action's going to look like um, from letter of demand right through to enforcement and, and even seizure and sale of the property? That's a good question. And the motions are all, they're, they're very wide. Uh, some of them are just simply to commence proceedings against lot one uh, for recovery of mm-hmm. debts. Others are to uh, take all necessary steps to recover those debts, which could encompass enforcement action and, mm-hmm. and other things. Some of them do indeed list out specifics as to what steps you're going to do. Mm. Uh, and if they're not detailed enough, um, the lawyers have to go back and uh, seek another VOG uh, yeah. to get the next steps going. I guess in terms of a tip for committees, what do you think is the best way to initiate this particular process? Is it good to specify it or do you think keep it general and allow the lawyer to take the pathway that is most relevant and applicable? I think it's important to keep it specific because, like I said, it, it all depends on the amount of the claim and, yeah. and to sort of keep lawyers in check uh, and always reporting back to their clients. I think uh, if it gets to a point where uh, it's not commercial, committees need to need to understand that and they need to be told that so I think causing the the lawyer to go back to the committee all the time on big decisions of cost is important Mm -hmm. and therefore I think the box should be quite specific as to what the instructions are. So what does this process involve then? For those listening um, they might be you know faced with debt recovery matters as a committee member or even as a lot owner what does the process of recovery involve from your perspective as a lawyer? Well, we'll be contacted by the, the manager or um, the committee. We'll often be provided with, with a statement um, and maybe a suite of uh, recent correspondence, if there has been any, and we'll proceed to, to draft a, a rather pointed letter of demand setting out their obligations as a lot owner to pay levies as and when they fall due, the amount that's owing and the consequences of what could happen uh, if they ignored the notice. A lot of the time that will start a dialogue or payment will just be made. If that doesn't yield any results, um, then the next step is to file a claim and statement of claim in the magist- generally in the magistrate's court. Once that's filed, that'll be served on the, the lot owner and that can throw up its own uh, difficulties with overseas in, uh, overseas investors and not being resident in Australia but if they are resident in Australia and they're living in the unit then it's, it's generally an easy process. The, uh, the lot owner will then have uh, 28 days to put in a defence to oh, I shouldn't have to pay my levies is quite difficult. It's a difficult one isn't it? It is. <laughs> 
and so if, if no defence is, is put in then we can apply for what's called a default judgment so you just apply to the register of the court you say we filed a claim on this date it was served on this date no defence was filed and you just seek, seek a judgment by default and, and that's a very simple process and then there's a variety of enforcement mm -hmm. options that follow once you have that judgment. I guess um, one of the difficult things is that um, levies are constantly being issued whether it be every quarter or three times a year or even half a year. The difficulty from, from a manager perspective is um, you might get default judgment and then the next levy comes on board and you know they're not going to pay. So that creates this rolling debt, doesn't it? It does. And that's where um, you, know, you look at the history of the lot owner's payment and see whether if it's a long history of just simply not paying, then maybe taking the drastic action to, to sell the lot is the appropriate one because then you can get the whole lot of um, the levies outstanding mm -hmm. in, in one hit instead of going back and recommencing a claim. So there, it, it's an important commercial decision and, and I think you need to look at take it on a case-by-case -case basis. Yeah, I guess it also depends on the quantum of the levies that are issued every quarter. Some, uh, for example, commercial lots will have mm. quite significant quarterly levies mm. um, which uh, very easily ramp up to a significant amount at the end of the year if it's not being paid. Mm. I guess you've talked about overseas owners and some owners, in my experience, don't understand that they have to pay levies, especially if they're new to strata and perhaps don't update their details. So I'm guessing you need to take mechanisms like substituted service and, and all of that and try and push the matter on, otherwise you reach a, a stagnant point, don't you? You do, yes, and body corporate managers, I think, need to be vigilant in getting as much information and contact details as, as they can about each lot owners, mm. um, specifically things such as mobile telephone numbers and, and emails come in very handy, mm. uh, especially if I an investor has moved or lives overseas. So if service of the claim can't be uh, effected on a lot owner, for example, they're living in New Zealand or China or yeah. somewhere else, the service agent will provide a, a report saying that they've attended the property this many times, they haven't been able to locate the person, uh, and if uh, sufficient attempts have been made, you apply for substituted service. Mm. And if the court's satisfied that you've done everything you can to bring the claim to the attention of the party, they'll order generally that the claim can be served by way of email, posting it to their last known mailing address, uh, sometimes even making a, putting an advertisement in a local paper in the area in which you think, but I haven't seen one of those orders for a while, so mm. generally it's mail it to the last mailing address and email it. So that's yeah. why it's important for the managers to have those details and to, to check them uh, regularly. Yeah, so I guess to a big extent the uh, debt recovery lawyers being reliant on the the detail and diligence of the body corporate manager, aren't they? Absolutely, they are, yes. So this question always comes up uh, in terms of the cost for debt recovery. I mean, how expensive is it? There are some uh, statutory fees. So generally, uh, for, for us at McPherson Kelly, we, we, we do everything in debt recovery by fixed fee. So letters of demand are, are a fixed fee. Mm. Um, the cost of commencing proceedings, there'll be some court filing fees. Uh, and that's uh, calculated by a scale based on the, the quantum of what's owing. Uh, there'll be a, uh, a process service fee, and again, that's uh, there's an applicable scale for that. Um, and you'll get you'll get all of those you'll get all of your court filing fees back. 
and a portion of your service costs back. And then the uh, the legal fees for actually um, drafting the documentation and prosecuting the claim. We try to stick as close as possible to the magistrate's court scale, which is at the back of the uniform civil procedure rules, mm. so that things sort of stay in check uh, yeah. and costs are as recoverable as possible. Yeah, interesting you should say recoverable costs because it's something that's been the subject of a lot of decisions. Um, you hear of cases where legal costs, uh, runaway costs really, as you call them, they have to be reasonable, don't they? And I guess sticking to scale costs are one way to avoid that potential problem down the track when you're recovering it. That's right. So when you get judgment, if you do proceedings on on scale, which few lawyers do uh, because the scales are not very healthy, Mm. but if you do proceedings on scale and you get judgment and you receive costs, you'll get all of those costs back and the body corporate gets all of them back. So we try to stick as close as possible to the scale. So, but any costs incurred in recovery action have to be reasonably incurred. So... Mm spending $10,000 on legals to recover a $5,000 debt, one would think is not reasonably incurred, but then again, you've got to take it on a case-by-case basis. You know, if you've incurred $1,000 in process service fees because the lot owner actively tried to avoid service, Mm. well, that's something that the the court will need to take into consideration as to whether that cost was reasonably incurred. I mean, the conduct of the parties does put the body corporate in a difficult position, and uh, as you said earlier, the body corporate is obliged to recover because it's got a duty to you know meet its own costs Indeed, it does. daily running costs of a body corporate can be quite high so once the filing has happened I'm guessing you keep close contact with body corporate manager anything can happen as you know in debt recovery you can get the owner coming back and saying hey I want a payment plan how do you deal with that aspect of things when suddenly the owner is conducive to resolving well, payment plans happen a lot, but they've got to be at a sufficient level to ensure that the lot owner gets up to date with their levies. You yeah. know, with, with new levies, like you said, coming in all the time, yeah. they can't be paying $20 a month when you know the levies are $450 a quarter sort of thing because yeah. they'll, they'll never, ever catch up. And yeah. That's not in anyone's best interest. Mm-hmm. So it has to be a plan that's going to get the lot owner up to speed or up to date with their levies as quickly as possible and should also include... Uh, terms for them to continue paying any new levies that that are coming out at the same time. Mm. So you spoke of the next stage where a defence is potentially filed by the the owner. What is that process about? How do you deal with defences? I'm guessing there's some legitimate reasons sometimes. There might be uh, some legitimate reasons. There might be a lot owner might have an offsetting claim. Um, There might be some common property that's impacting on their lot and has resulted in a tenant not being able to to rent out a lot and they might have Mm. suffered a a rental loss because of that so they might put in a defence claiming an offsetting claim. But if uh, defences are put in just to sort of delay the proceedings um, or just to frustrate the recovery um, then there's steps you can take uh, to apply to the court for what's called summary judgment and that's essentially just saying to the court look on the face of this defence the court and the party shouldn't be put to the cost of having a trial and this document's got no merit and we should be awarded judgment now and that's uh, done a lot of the time. And I guess it depends on the material that's before the court isn't it? Um, All of which stems from the manager filtering through correspondence and all kinds of um, historical data on the actual debtor. 
That's right, yes. And some lot owners will act for themselves in these proceedings and, and the courts do try to assist self-represented parties as much as they can so it can frustrate the process a little bit but it's important not to get drawn into endless arguments you know the argument is that levies weren't paid Mm -hmm. Uh, we need to find out why they weren't paid and how we can get them paid as quickly as possible Mm. and there's going to be challenges when you're dealing with a self-represented party because in the eyes of the court um, they don't have the necessary skill often to deal with the court process and they're given extra dispensation on the whole process itself. But from a lawyer's perspective, how do you manage that potential power imbalance and the court's view and willingness to assist that debtor? The courts are willing to give self-represented parties a a little leeway because they don't have the training, but uh, when we're acting for a body corporate, we still have to take all necessary steps. We do whatever we can, regardless of uh, who's on the other side, to to recover that debt. So... If a defence, in our view, is insufficient and doesn't properly raise a defence, then it's appropriate for us to recommend that an application be made for for summary judgment. As to whether the court uh, is prepared to give you that judgment, uh, that's a matter on a case-by-case basis. You'll encounter situations where, as you've pointed out, a lot owners are grieved about a totally different matter, so they withhold paying their levies, thinking, okay, well, it's going to be an offset there. But really it's a case of, well, for a lot owner, pay your levies and then argue it later, isn't it? That's right. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. Yeah. What happens once you've got your default judgment? Obviously, there's got to be some way to move forwards. Uh, default judgment's one thing, but actually having the money in hand is another, isn't it? Mm, it is. Yeah. So once you've got your, your sealed judgment... Uh, you then go through a stage of an enforcement stage and, and generally the first step is to write to the lot owner and say, look, we've got judgment now for, for X amount of dollars. You need to pay up within 7 or 14 days. Generally 14 days you'll give them. Yeah. Or uh, the body corporate may take further steps to cover that judgment amount. Mm. And there's a variety of um, enforcement options depending on whether the lot owner is, is, is an individual or is mm. a company. With regards to individuals um, and companies, uh, you can uh, you can get the sheriff to sell property uh, chattels. Mm-hmm. You can get them to to sell the the unit for an individual. You can apply for a warrant to uh, garnish an individual's wages, so it diverts a certain amount of their wage to the mm-hmm. body corporate in paying down that debt. You could uh, put an ind- you could make an individual bankrupt for a corporation. Uh, you could issue what's called a statutory demand against that individual um, for the judgment, and they have. Uh, 21 days to pay that or they're essentially deemed insolvent mm-hmm. which is another good me- mechanism for getting paid but I think depending on the debt if there's no communication with um, the lot owner or they simply can't be found um, the end result is, is really you need to sell sell the lot yeah um, we had a recent example of uh, a lot um, that was owned by a company that was deregistered mm-hmm. you know owed eleven thousand dollars worth of body corporate fees the company was deregistered so it couldn't couldn't do anything mm. it's, it's just a dead company mm. but it's still sitting there uh, with a mortgage on it so we had to re-register the company with ASIC uh, mm. and then commence the proceedings got the default judgment and now we're in the process of selling the lot yeah so at the end of the day from a debtor's perspective a lot owner who owes body corporate levies or any kind of debt for that matter it's about communication and not to just ignore the matter because the processes you've spoken about just roll on don't they it's like a train that leaves the station 
And unless you communicate your position, then the costs can rise, can't they? Well, that's right. But body yeah. corporates aren't out to, to hang anyone. They, mm. They've got an obligation to get levies paid. Uh, they've got an obligation to get those levies recovered. And so a lot of the time, if lot owners are communicating with body corporate, some sort of an agreement can be reached as to resolving it, uh, so long as it's a commercial agreement and if, if that's a payment plan and it's sufficient for them to catch up or if a lot owners refinancing in three months and they can provide mm-hmm. evidence that that's going to occur and that will clear, clear the levies. Mm-hmm. Um, so absolutely, they, they need to communicate. Putting your head in the sand in these sort of matters uh, yeah. is just snowballs. Yeah, I guess sometimes you have that added level of complication when you're dealing with a a bank who's actually going to take possession and then they've got to make commercial decisions as well in this this particular scenario. Mm. Um, And often, I guess, they'll want to sell to recover and then pay off the levies. What's your experience dealing with financiers in debt recovery matters? Uh, are they compliant? Are they cooperative usually? I've generally found them to be very cooperative and when the levies aren't through the roof, a lot of the time the banks will, will pay those levies mm. to avoid getting judgment and you know enforcement steps being taken to yeah. sell the lot. Uh, and then they'll take that up with the lot owner themselves directly, whether that's adding that amount to the loan. or. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I generally find them to be very cooperative. Yeah, I guess it's a cost-saving exercise for them because they're also needing to protect their asset and, and interest in the, in the property. That's right, yeah. Of course, this is all geared around the body corporate acting reasonably in everything that it does. Yes. How do you uh, talk to managers when you feel that they're not being reasonable. Uh, I guess it's a difficult discussion you've got to have. Absolutely, it's a difficult discussion. They've got to be practical and and they've got to take the emotion out of it. Uh, And I think a lot of, you know, it's easy for committee members to get emotional about, especially in commissioner disputes and those sort of things, not not in the debt recovery. You have to talk talk them down essentially and get them to act reasonably without emotion and to reach a practical decision that's in the interest of the entire scheme Mm. Um, and that's not always an easy thing to do yeah and again i guess you rely on the body corporate manager to understand perspective from the body corporate lawyer understand the advice and maybe filter that through as well in addition to the correspondence that you guys no doubt send to the committees that's right um so this all seems like a big process um recovery why should a body corporate bother to do this? Why sh- should they bother? They should bother because um, they have an obligation to ensure that levies are paid. They need to maintain the buildings. Uh, and if people aren't paying the levies, um, it's going to impact their ability to maintain the buildings. And that's going to affect all lot owners. It sounds like it's a, a big, heavy process, but it really isn't. It, it's quite a straightforward process. And because the amounts that generally being claimed are fixed definitive amounts you know they're not damages claims and things like that that can be wavy Um, the process of recovery is really quite straightforward and there are a lot of processes that come before the body corporate lawyer you'll often see committees deciding to waive loss of discounts and penalties and things like that do you find um, that decision a difficult one when they've given dispensation to the owner they still haven't done the right thing and, and paid those are all factors that you consider in future payment plans or the willingness and conduct of the parties? Yes, definitely. It's got to be a commercial decision and if the lot owner historically has always been in arrears or they've reached agreements and, and they've broken those agreements, 
and that's all got to be taken into consideration as to whether to allow a discount or to give them more time to refinance or uh, mm. you know sometimes it just gets to a point where the body corporate has to say look this person's had you know five times they've owned a unit for two years they've been in arrears ever since they've owned a unit mm. um, we need to take action to get our levies paid it's interesting to read some of the decisions where uh, adjudicators will consistently say that uh, lot owners are deemed to be intelligent and understand that they have to pay levies and understand uh, that from the minutes of the meeting and the, the whole commerciality of owning a lot in strata that levies are going to be payable but that's not always the case no i don't think it is yeah i think it's easy to to make that leap i think especially for overseas investors and you know that they simply don't understand why they're getting these bills uh, quarterly you know rates are easy to understand but levies uh, from a body corporate are a completely separate matter and i think uh, leaping just to leaping to to think that each lot owner no matter where they're from understands what this money is used for uh, isn't correct um, mm. so there could there should be some form of uh, information that goes out to lot owners when they when there's a transfer of property to explain to them what what those mm. levies are for to try to nip those things in bud straight away yeah um, small amount of education can achieve a lot in the long run I think yeah and it's particularly those body corporates that have the appearance of a normal freehold title lot in suburbia but they're actually a body corporate and that can be a bit confusing for an owner when they're purchasing especially if they're not told about you know the fact that it is strata titled well that's yeah. right and again it's, it goes back to the overseas investor or, or the first time uh, first time home buyer they need to a lawyer needs to explain to them when they're purchasing w what their obligations are you know they need to do the, pro the appropriate searches uh, and that's all separate to set on a contract yeah so it's your conveyance lawyer it's your real estate agent uh, it's your body corporate search agent there's a lot of parties in there that have the opportunity to feed that information to a new purchaser but, uh, you know, I guess in experience, you, you, it doesn't happen always. Well, I, I don't do um, conveyancing, and I haven't done that for many, many, many years. Uh, but it's a highly regulated field now, and a lot of documentation has to go out. Lots of checks and balances as to what needs to be, what information needs to go to the purchaser in order to follow through the transaction. So a lot of the time, uh, there will be quite a volume of information in relation to payments of levies and things, uh, how much is owing. Um, as to uh, what happens once they've settled. It's probably a good thing for managers to, to send out newsletters as to what levies are used for, you know, little things like that. We all take that for granted because we're, we're in the zone here. But, uh, someone who's a first-time buyer or an overseas investor may, may not appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we get to this point of understanding that body corporate law is in a state of flux. It's always evolving and moving. It's largely dependent on the decisions that come out of adjudicators and QCAT, even higher court decisions. Where do you see the industry heading in terms of some of the law reforms on the horizon? Where do you see it heading, particularly in relation to debt recovery and perhaps even more generally? Look, generally I'd, I'd like to see it heading, um, I'd like there to be more sort of cost implications for adjudicated commissioner applications and things. I've come across a lot of applications that are simply just nuisance applications you know uh, lot owners complaining uh, about frivolous little things and bringing applications willy-nilly it clogs up the commissioner's office it causes 
the the committee to spend you know these are volunteer positions yeah. spend an inordinate amount of time resolving these sort of things and i think if there were some uh, proper cost implications in bringing nuisance applications uh, that might um, get people to reconsider the merits of, of what they're about to do I guess it comes down to the circumstances, but um, it is a jurisdiction that, because of the cost of entry to making a, you know, an application to the Commissioner's Office is so low, it's so easy to make an application, and um, it really relies on the owner properly considering should I make that application or not? Or is it an abusive process? That's right. So in terms of debt recovery, though, the jurisdiction is, is a little bit different to the Commissioner's Office uh, there. You really are forced to go to the Magistrate's Court, aren't you? The Magistrate's Court is, is the proper forum to do those. Uh, it's the proper forum to do debt recovery because yeah. it's very structured. There's a lot of options for recovery. It's a relatively quick process, and it's it's been the same for years and years. So in terms of um, your practice, um, where do you see yourself uh, moving forwards in terms of um, your processes and debt recovery, say, in the future? Uh, I, I guess your practice is growing. You're seeing more and more debt recovery as people become more informed about their rights. Body corporates um, understand that to take action. How do you see that evolving um, in, in the future? I think in South East Queensland, with the amount of apartments that are going up and people moving in, um, the debt recovery area is, is, is definitely growing. Uh, there's more people not paying levies and there's, there's more maintenance that needs to be done to these buildings. Uh, so we're seeing an increase in, in that sort of work, but we're also starting to see a lot of increase in, in defects in buildings, mm. uh, which are significant actions which we, we could talk about at another at, mm. at another time but there's there's serious actions when there's there's something wrong with a building mm. uh, and with so many buildings in southeast queensland uh, that's certainly going to be a growth area and look um having chatted to the commissioner in in a previous episode um you know there are over fifty thousand um body corporates uh, registered in queensland and i think uh, it equates to over half a million lots um, it's an incredible amount it's uh, mm. and it's a big market. Um, do you see debt recovery as a field in law actually growing uh, because of that? Oh, it, it has to be. It's inevitable, yes. Yeah. There will always be uh, people that aren't paying their levies. Uh, it's, it's just part of the market, I think. Yeah. Um, it's certainly not, you know, even, even with education, uh, people don't always have the money, um, can't be contacted, you know, the excuse that they didn't get the levy notice most of the time is is a fake one but some of the time it's it's true they've mm. moved and they haven't even thought about updating their body corporate records so I, I think it'll always be an area that needs attention yeah I guess body corporate records again it's an entirely different topic in mm. itself but um, good record keeping is important isn't Very it um, and not only from the lot owners perspective to keep track of everything they're doing all the monies they're paying out but also from a manager's perspective so that they can properly brief a lawyer. Mm, that's right. Yeah. It, it's, as much information as you can and um, checking that information uh, to, you know, throughout the year to ensure it's valid, maybe that just means sending out a newsletter or something and making sure you don't get bounced emails or those sort of things can be quite helpful in, in ensuring that lot owners can be contacted. Mm. So a general tip on lot owners facing recovery or understanding that they might have trouble paying levies that are about to hit them what 
tips would you give them in terms of perhaps avoiding this particular debt recovery process that uh, you know obviously body corporates inevitably must undertake in certain situations well I think we touched on it before you know um, the committees have to act reasonably um, so my tip would be to to contact the committee as soon as possible and to try to come to an agreement that's uh, acceptable to everyone uh, body corporates don't want to sell people's lots uh, if they can avoid it it's uh, it takes a lot of time mm. Um, so I think if, if people just get on the phone and speak to their committee uh, or body corporate managers and, and propose a payment plan or a period when they can pay and catch up, uh, that's probably the, uh, the first thing they should be doing instead of putting their head in the sands. And then you spoke about the body corporate manager's perspective also. What would a tip be for them in really deciding, OK, well, how reasonable does the body corporate have to be before we actually go down this pathway of debt recovery through a lawyer? Well, I think once a few letters of demand has been sent out by a body corporate manager and there's been no response, commencing proceedings is a simple matter and, and I don't think there's any challenge there as to whether that's being unreasonable or not. Body corporates will, won't simply just jump into proceedings uh, as soon as um, levies are outstanding. They'll, the managers will send a few letters of demand. Um, they do an excellent job in trying to get those monies in um, and commencing proceedings is really a last resort. Mm. a necessary last resort if they're not getting anywhere mm. and, and like I said at the beginning sometimes a letter on, on legal letterhead um, has a huge effect and yields a result very quickly. And you spoke about the, these fairly wide-ranging remedies um, ranging from insolvency to obviously um, sale of lot. It brings about uh, you know an understanding that body corporate law doesn't sit on its own doesn't it? There's lots of different laws that feed into it so we're talking about corporations law, bankruptcy legislation, uh, you've got um, obviously UCPR all the civil litigation rules that feed in. It's it's quite a big area that uh, you guys deal with. Oh, it's, it's absolutely massive. It crosses all sorts of fields and you know you get into the building defects and you've got construction disputes and issues with subcontractors and um, cranes and sweeping over other lots and like you said insolvency there's there's so many different areas that cross into body corporate uh, body corporate world so it's it's a very complex area and it's a very interesting one and that requires a lot of skill of the body corporate manager also to understand those interactions between BCCM legislation and all the other legislations that fit in so that they can properly understand what their lawyer is telling them. That's right. So in terms of your practice, um, just to, to finish up, your practice deals with um, body corporate uh, matters, debt recovery. What else do you deal with? We do a lot of um, commissioner disputes uh, where, for example, a lot owner might want to acquire a, a small area of common property. If a lot owner's putting up fencing or preventing someone, uh, another lot owner from accessing an area of common property or they're mm -hmm. doing something uh, on the lot that they shouldn't. Uh, there's a whole variety of issues and reasons that someone might go to the Commissioner's office. So, so we do a lot of those. Mm -hmm. um, so if I split it into a percentage, we're probably doing 50% debt recovery and 50% Commissioner disputes. 
uh, and that might be uh, some of those take very quick uh, sorry some of those are very quick from yeah. a month and some of those yeah. are a lot more extended and mm. can take several months to resolve mm. and you've spoken about um, building defects which again um, we might have you over mm. uh, for another discussion on that because it's a huge area it's a highly complex area yes yeah and the costs are huge and the implications are huge mm. for body corporate um, so you guys deal with building defects as well and um, I guess you have a commercial arm that deals generally on things that incidentally touch body corporates as well yes yeah we have we have a team that specifically um, deals with body corporate issues mm. and I manage the litigation team which includes that body corporate arm and it's it's definitely a growing area and it's an exciting one and um, unfortunately for committees and, and lot owners I think building defects is certainly going to be an area where we're going to see uh, more issues as developers try to get buildings up as quickly and as cheaply as possible it's inevitable that things are going to happen oh absolutely and uh, the amount of development that's happening in queensland uh, and has happened lends itself to those very problems in the future as well indeed yeah yeah look daniel it's been an absolute pleasure having you on board today for you to share your wealth of knowledge about debt recovery and the processes and i trust that listeners have gained much better understanding of the civil litigation process particularly in the event that and, and even for committees in the event that um, arrears are outstanding and, and their need and an obligation to pursue those so um, a great pleasure to have you on board um, to discuss that and we certainly look forward to having you again for thank you for uh, building me. defects thank you very much that's it thanks for listening to another episode of the let's talk strata podcast For your fortnightly dose of Strata Insights, stimulating discussion with leading Strata professionals, and to catch up on previous episodes, subscribe to the podcast through letstalkstrata.com.au.